Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yumiko is ringing in 2021 with a brand new array of colors. From softer yellow hues to vibrant, unique velvets, you can currently snatch a ready-to-wear option within the first collection of the new year, the Les Patineurs Collection. To place a personalized order or to glance at the new colors, please contact your local store, ambassador, or head to yumiko.com. The New York City flagship store is still open with limited hours and the associates are standing by and ready to process all of your orders via phone or email to ensure that you can safely shop from home. Check out yumiko.com and yumiko's Instagram at yumiko to stay updated on new releases, live events, store updates, and all 2021 Yumiko news. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are joined by Balanchine ballerina Gloria Gavran. Gloria danced with the New York City Ballet from 1959 to 1974 and was promoted to soloist in 1963. An unusually tall dancer, she inspired Balanchine to choreograph several distinctive roles on her. Roles such as Hippolyta in Midsummer Night's Dream, Coffee in Nutcracker, The Princess in Firebird, and La Bonne Fille in Harlequinade were stamped with her identity. After her distinguished stage career, Miss Govern has gone on to a prolific teaching career, being considered one of the leading masters of the Balanchine technique. We spoke with Gloria for over an hour and a half, so we will be splitting this interview into two parts. In part one, we talk with Gloria about her origin in ballet, how she came to join the New York City Ballet, dancing for Balanchine, and the many iconic roles he created specifically for her. Be sure to subscribe to Conversations on Dance wherever you get your podcasts to receive a notification when we publish part two of this interview next week. In part two, we go in-depth with Gloria about her trajectory of her teaching career after her retirement from the stage. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for joining us. We've wanted to talk to you for so long now, and it just hasn't worked out until 
you know, the pandemic, we've got some upsides to it. Everyone's on Zoom now, so we got right. you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There are upsides and downsides. Today's supposed to be a snow day, and they I got already phone calls this morning. Oh, do you want to do a Zoom class? And I went, no, I want to have a snow day. <laughs> I was That's thinking amazing. that too. I, I got the text for New York City's public schools and it says public schools are all closed, but all learning will be virtual. I'm sure those kids are pretty disappointed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, with all that the kids have been going through this, yeah. you know, this oh. year, give them a snow Throw day. <laughs> Throw them a snow day. Let them go yeah. play out there. I know. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, so now I'm I I I'm still technology challenged, but um, I have a lot of people helping me now. Perfect. Well, we're just glad we got you in any tech form whatsoever. <laughs> okay. So, all right, uh, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's go um, back to the beginning, as we do with all our guests. We'd love to know first how you became interested in dance um, and what, what sort of your early training was like. Um, okay, I was two and a half years old and my mother I was uh, born and I lived in Newark New Jersey mm -hmm. and my mother took me to the mosque theater I remember it to mm -hmm. see um, the ballet ballet russe it was Danilova was in it and I came home when I came home my mother had had bought the recording of Capalia. Mm -hmm. And I just say, put it on, put it on, put it on. And all I did was dance around the house. So of course she took me to uh, about a Russian ballet teacher uh, in downtown Newark, New Jersey. And uh, they, they, they said, okay, leave her here and go out and have some coffee. And when you come back, we'll let you know whether we'll take her because she's awfully young. Mm -hmm. And when my mother came back, this is the story she always told me that mm -hmm. um, I was sitting on the teacher's lap. Oh. And they said, of course she can come, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I actually, my earliest memory is being at the bar in a ballet class with two hands on the bar and just legs next to me because I was so tiny. Oh. And I and I had grown up people next to me. And that, that's what I remember. I remember uh -huh. my first little dance. Um, and then uh, a few, I was there a couple of years. And then she retired and moved to California. And there was a school around the corner, which was called the American Ballet Academy. And it was run by Fred Danielli, who was in Balanchine's original company. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I went. And I had, he used to bring in teachers from New York City Ballet. So even at those early days, I had Marie Jean for oh, point wow. class. And um, from there, um, I had won a scholarship at the school. And I always wanted to go to New York. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I went and Muriel Stewart had seen me in a scholarship class that they had done at American Ballet Academy. And she's the one who did my audition for the School of American Ballet. Um, and um, she said, all right, take her. I mean, I don't even remember how much we did. Mm -hmm. And then I was there from, they put me in C class. I was 
12. Wow. <laughs> so C-class for those, I, I wonder, it was it the same as it is now where it's basically second to the top. D right. is the final, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was there until I was, you know, Balanchine had his eye on me when I was 14. Mm-hmm. He, I was doing um, Madame Dubrovska's point class. And after the class, he called me aside in the hallway and he wanted to know how old I was. And I told him and he said, oh, you know, you're too young. The company was going on a tour of Australia and New Zealand. Wow. And I was too young. They would have had to have, it was going to be a long tour and I would have had to have a tutor and a guardian and all of that. So he told me I was just going to have to wait. And I (laughs) waited and I waited and my friends got in the company and I didn't. And it was, um, I I graduated high school when I was uh, 16. Mm -hmm. And my father said, you know, you're either going to go to school or work. You're not going to do nothing. <laughs> right. And so I, I am an actually very shy person. Mm-hmm. I hate to talk on the telephone. I sort of insular. But this was really important to me. And I lay awake and back. And it was when the school was on 82nd Street and there was right. that long staircase going up. And I waited for him to come. And so I told him I graduated high school. I had done an audition for ABT. It wasn't ABT at those mm-hmm. days. It was just called Valley Theater. Mm-hmm. And um, I made it all the way through to the end of the audition. I had no illusions that they were ever going to take me. I was so much taller than everybody else. But, you know, I told him, I, you know, that I had made it all the way through the audition, but I didn't want to dance there. I wanted to dance for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, he told me, you know, that it would cost the company a lot of money to take me in because they would need all new costumes for me and I wouldn't fit oh. in and things like that. And so he wanted me to wait a little mm-hmm. bit longer. He said, maybe you could get a job in Schraff's, which was downstairs from the school. And we will give you all your classes for free. That was how that ended. And I went home in tears. Obviously, I bet. <laughs> not knowing what. And I got a phone call that night from Janet Reed, who was ballet mistress at the time. And she said, Mr. Balanchine would like you to join the company. And he took my two best friends who were also tall, not as tall as me, Mm -hmm. but they were on the tall side. And he took those two girls also so that there would be a little bit of a balance. Uh And that's how I got into New York City Ballet. (laughs) That's an amazing story. It is. And what do you think happened? You think he just went home and thought about it and was like, you know, I just really like this, Gloria. We got to figure it out. I can never really figure out I was an anomaly. I was not like anybody else. And I had a different kind of career than anybody else Mm -hmm. had. If it hadn't been for Balanchine, I never would have had a career completely. Mm -hmm. But there was something about me that he was interested in. But he, he told me once that he never saw anybody my size move the way I moved. And that's what intrigued him. And Mm -hmm. so 
he choreographed all these solo parts for me. Right. And it was, you know, in fact, when we were at City Center, um, that's when I did the siren in Prodigal Son and the lead in Stars and Stripes and, you know, I mean, all this stuff. And he pulled me out of the core dressing room because he, he, he was afraid they were going to attack me. <laughs> and he put me in, in a dressing room with Melissa Hayden oh. Oh my and goodness. Allegra. And I can't remember who the third one is. And I, I was sitting there. I was so scared to death of Melissa. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a pretty intimidating figure to be with when you're young. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to be in the core dressing room with everybody else. Mm -hmm. But so anyway, it was, you know, everything worked out. Mm -hmm. It was difficult, though. It was very difficult for me. Uh, you know, you want to fit in. Mm -hmm. You want right. to do whatever. And my best friends were Patty McBride and Carol Sumner, who were, you know, Patty was... Her nickname was Little. <laughs> and Balanchine nick nicknamed me Big Glow. That, that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And he thought that was cool because it was like Bigelow, Eddie Bigelow, Big Glow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to rewind just a second to that moment when you got into the company. What was that? like for you had a moment here with him where he was like no this isn't going to work out and then just like a switch he completely mm -hmm. changed his mind so did you go in thinking feeling very confident or did that make you feel a little weary right when you were starting the company i never felt confident <laughs> 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 You know what it's like being a dancer. You yeah, never yeah. think you're good enough, and you always think this is going to be your last moment. Mm -hmm. And that's how I always felt. And I never, I wasn't close with him in that respect. I, um, to me, he was like a god. Mm -hmm. And so, I, to me, having a casual conversation with him was just out of the question. Right. I just, I could muster up the courage to even do that. I was nervous around him. Mm -hmm. Even <laughs> I, later know, on? Even later even on, like, too? Oh, even later on, yeah. And he, he, you know, he was, well, he was George Balanchine. Mm -hmm. He was a genius. And I recognized that he right. was a genius. And he had my whole life in his hands, whatever he decided. You know, that's what was going to happen to me. So, um no, it was never, I would never felt had a friendly atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I was always a little bit, okay. He, he was, you know, he wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. Right. But I was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm wondering if aside from, you know, seeing him in the halls and knowing that he uh -huh. had your sort of fate in his hands, did you, was there also an idea built up from having seen the company? Were you able to see some of these early performances at city center before you joined and sort of really, that's what made oh you want to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as a kid used to, um, you couldn't do this today in today's world, mm. but in 1959 or 1958 as a kid, I used to sneak into the ballet all the time. I would just mm. miss the first ballet. I'd wait <laughs> until everybody came out to smoke a cigarette. I would march in and I would catch the ballet. And I, I went 
all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had everybody's autograph. I had Valentine's autograph. (laughs) I I used to stand at the stage door and wait for them to come out and Mm -hmm. and get autographs. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, to me, they were like movie stars. Mm -hmm. And then there I was, you know, Jacques D'Ambois. He was famous for doing this anyway, but I did my first pas de deux class with Jacques. Mm-hmm. He asked me, and I was I was so nervous. I thought my my lips were going to stick to my gums. I was so <laughs> dry now. Uh-huh. I was I was just oh my god, mm-hmm. you know. But Jacques used to do that with all the the new up up and comings. He used to take them right. under his wing. But no, I went to the ballet all the time. And there were times when I would go with Carol Sumner or with Patty McBride and we'd go and watch like if if you went to see Nutcracker, which we would do, mm-hmm. um Nutcracker was always sold out. Uh, mm-hmm. So you would get in there, go to the th- this was at City Center, you'd right. be in the fifth ring and keep wa- Walking your way down, trying to get out of the reach of the the uh, ushers, the ushers who would try to throw you out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Moving around all the time. Oh, fun. Fun. Determination. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what made ahead, what made you so confident that you didn't want to be in American Ballet Theater? Then what made you be like New York City Ballet is the place? Was it? Obviously, you've watched them so much. You knew the dancers. Was it more the choreography that they were dancing? What was it that really, really drew you in? The choreography. Yeah, yeah. It was ba- it was balancing. I mean, th- there was just such an opportunity to be to be you. Mm-hmm. To, you know, I mean, they're just there's when you look at the range of ballets. You know, you know, just even you just take Chai Pa and then you put episodes next to right, it. Right, right. <laughs> it's just totally different stuff. And then you have Prodigal Son where there's acting. And and ballet theater in those days was very much, um, uh, they did a lot of modern works, mm-hmm. but stories, you know, uh, I can't think of anything on the top of my head but I remember Sally Wilson was you know an ABT dancer uh-huh. and I, I I had heard stories about Lucia Chase and she she actually was at the audition mm-hmm. and everybody said oh if you're a redhead she'll take you or something like uh-huh. that <laughs> and, and then I thought to myself I don't just feel like I fit in right. at all and uh of course all my friends too, because I went to SAB. Right. Um, all my friends were getting in the company, and I wanted to continue those friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you got in the company, you knew you were different. Um, your height <laughs> made you distinguished from everyone else. But when did that become? What was the first time Balanchine singled you out in a positive way? What was the first thing where he said, "Okay, Gloria can do this solo." Um, the first solo I learned, I think he always had it in his head that I would replace Diana Adams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because she was his tall muse. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I learned was the lead and fourth movement Western Symphony. Mm-hmm. 
And I had been in the company four weeks. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And I just learned it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't on the board to perform it. And we, um, well, before that, you know, he had done this ballet called Figure in the Carpet. Mm -hmm. And I was in the core. And um, we were in California at the Greek theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was rooming with five girls in this hotel Montecito, and there was a knock on the door, and it was Ducky with who was the wardrobe master, uh-huh. and he had this costume, which was the Scotch girl in figure in the carpet. Mm-hmm. And he asked for me. I had just come out of the shower. My hair was soaking wet. And he said, love, we need to fit this on you because you're doing this tomorrow. Oh, and I was not the understudy. And I had two parts in that ballet. I was in the sand scene. Mm-hmm. And I was also one of the court couple people. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> you guys, you've got to be kidding. Blah, blah, blah. He fit the costume on. Balanchine picked me up in the morning. You have to understand, I I had gone through the spring and we we were that summer, we were at mm-hmm. the Greek theater. So I hadn't been in the company very long. Right. Mr. B came to the hotel room, got me, took me to Diana Adams' bedroom, and proceeded to teach me the dance uh-huh. from her bed. <sighs> she was sick. Mm-hmm. I found out later she had had a miscarriage. Mm. Oh, no. And Balanchine drove me to the Greek theater. Then we went down in the basement and we went over it and over it and over it. And he says, okay, dear, you don't have to do it tonight. You'll do it tomorrow. Okay. I got out there. Talk about terrified. I forgot the whole dance. I went (laughs) blank. Oh, no. I started doing the finale of Fanfare. <laughs> um, I was just making up any step that I would come to mind. Uh-huh. And then I remember Richard Rapp was one of the boys. It's a dance that you do with four boys. Uh-huh. And he would say, the corner. And I'd go, oh, the corner. And I'd run to the corner and do the corner step. And then I'd go blank again. Well, oh, I, thought no. that, I thought that was the end of my career. Oh. And, um I was avoiding balancing. I, I, I was like, had my head down. Uh-huh. And the next morning, I ran into him in the lobby of the hotel. And he said to me, well, dear, good you didn't run away. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, so after that, I was always afraid of forgetting choreography. Oh, yeah, I, was, I, I was never afraid of of being able to do anything. I was mm-hmm. very strong, right. but I was always afraid I was going to forget. And so you would see me all through the night, whatever I was doing, I was on stage practicing constantly. Uh-huh. And so um, I did that for a while, but that same summer, we we used to, um, every summer we would go to the Greek theater and in LA, and then from there we'd go to Chicago and we would go to Evanston, Illinois. There was a, a festival mm-hmm. that, that the company always danced with. And uh, we got to um, Chicago and uh, Diana sprained her ankle. 
and I got to go on in Western Symphony. Okay. <laughs> and so then what happened was I would, Diana took her role back and she would do it. Mm -hmm. And I, whenever we were on tour, I would do it. And then one day, all of a sudden, I was doing it in New York. Mm -hmm. but, but that's how that's how I started. And it was very fast. Mm -hmm. You know, I got in the company and four weeks later, there, the, you know, I started doing all this stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, since you brought up Figure in the Carpet, there are so many ballets from that era that don't exist anymore. I'm just wondering, right. like, for your from your personal experience, what what ballet that is sort of lost, if you will, um, from that time, do you really wish had had managed to um, continue to be well, performed? Oh, for me, it was Clarinade because mm -hmm. that's the first big role that he 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 choreographed for me, and it was like it was like the first thing he choreographed at Lincoln Center. Mm -hmm. And uh, the opening night performance, Benny Goodman played the clarinet, and um, it was for me. It was really special, mm -hmm. you know? and I danced with Arthur, and it was it was it was like a leading role, and he had choreographed it for me, and mm -hmm. I could not tell you what we did. I don't I don't remember a step. Yeah. The only things I remember are the stuff I've taught through the years and right. the other stuff kind of has just totally left me. I have mm -hmm. no idea. So was Clarinade the first thing he ever made for you or had you done some solo? You done, He made, I mean, the Ram no. Ramonda solo, the harp solo. The harp solo was the first thing he Was that the first? Okay. Made. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, I remember being at, at, um, SAB and I was called to this rehearsal and he says to me the first thing he says to me and you Rebecca you will get this <laughs> say, okay I want you to run around the whole room and you know how hard running is mm -hmm. <laughs> and I went, yeah he says I want you to run and then do an arabesque and run and blah. You know, it's like that was so not me. Right. Going, okay. Because um, I remember even when I first went to SAB, mm -hmm. you know, I looked at everybody and I went, that's what it's supposed to look like. My feet weren't the way they should be. And I, I would work on them all the time because I had a, a, a male teacher. And he didn't have good feet. And I, I didn't know any better. I never had been anywhere. Right. And it was it really opened my eyes. And so yeah, that was the first that's the first thing I did. He'd go, oh, down, and then he'd go like a whirlwind. Okay. That's how we used to teach. It was um but that was the first thing I ever I ever learned with just him and he choreographed it on me. How was that experience one-on-one -on -one in the studio creating something different than being in like a core environment when he was creating something? How, because I also feel like when you're in the core, you can kind of like cheat off people, you know, <laughs> and kind of yeah. get an idea what the steps are. Uh, you know, actually it, 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 it was comfortable because first of all, he knows his dance. He always knew his dancers so well mm -hmm. and you would be doing a step 
that he had just made up and he'd say to you, which way are you inclined to go? When you come out of that step, how are you? Where he never wanted to give you anything that was awkward. Mm-hmm. And so everything fit. And he knew, he could tell, you know, when he was working, whether this was, he wanted to please the dancer as well as right. himself. I mean, it, it was, everything was, you know, like when he did Brahms Schoenberg for me, which was my very favorite part to dance, mm-hmm. I came off, he was in that first wing. I could not contain myself. I went up to him and I said, I have to thank you for doing this. I have, I never get so much pleasure in my life is dancing mm-hmm. this thing. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was terrific. It really was. I like that you say that about him. Um, never wanting to do anything that's awkward. We hear that a lot mm-hmm. as dancers that learn so much from your generation. I yeah. feel like when we're working on, a balancing ballet and we do something and we're like, is that right? It feels awkward. It must be wrong. Let's check it. And then inevitably yeah. it's always not the right thing. And so it's, it's so cool to hear that. Yeah. Oh, I, I and I've had, <laughs> I mean, so funny. It just popped into my head. Uh, I did the dark angel in Serenade mm-hmm. and Lorca Messine was the guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I probably am the only person in the whole world that fell in that arabesque promenade. <laughs> and Melissa Hayden was underneath me. And I'm in arabesque. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I felt myself going. And I fell right on top of her. <gasps> and after, the ballet was still going. And Mr. B ran backstage and he said, what's wrong? And he, he got down on his knees and he had me in an arabesque. You know, you're totally at the mercy of, of the guy. There's, oh, yeah. Nothing, yeah. there's nothing, nothing you can do. Right. Nope. So that, that, was, a, that was a bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> you did so many roles. I mean, of course, Balanchine. We now we you know we've already we sort of started talking about how he would make these roles specifically tailored to your talents, um, right. and we'll, I want to go back. I want to talk about Hippolyta and some other things, but um, but he also was putting you in these iconic roles like Dark Angel and The Siren and uh, mm-hmm. Dewdrop. What was the process like for those ballets? How was that different? Did, would you learn from a ballet mistress first, or would he coach you yeah. directly? Well, I actually I learned from the person who did the role. Okay. Okay. Like I learned Agon from Melissa Hayden. Mm-hmm. I now prodigal son. I was 20. Mm-hmm. I had never had a boyfriend, never went out on a date. I did nothing but dance. Mm-hmm. And balancing had me in the studio at city center with Valella. And those, they were passing jokes between them. Oh, she doesn't understand. I keep saying you have to hold this forward. And I was like, I couldn't wait for that to be over. <laughs> no. Oh, no. And um, uh, Madame Dubrovska coached me. Oh, in, the original, in the right? She was the original. Yeah. Wow. She was wonderful, though. You know, she used to come to the ballet all the time, and you would see her. She'd be sitting in the 
first or second row of the orchestra, and she would tell you if your bobby pins were the wrong color. <laughs> no, no, and she, but she was so helpful, and mm-hmm. she was so dear. She really was. She was wonderful. Mm-hmm. She really was. Yeah, but I, th- those, most of the other stuff was, it was taught by the people who did the role, and then Balanchine would eventually come and, and take the, the reins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would he make many changes when he came in, like to the choreography for you? Or no, it was just more yeah. of like the style and coaching. Yeah, I, I, I he, you know what, he didn't say much to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he t- he told me once that he liked the way I did Agon because I wasn't so serious. He didn't he didn't want it to be serious. It mm-hmm. was you know had a little flair to it, mm-hmm. and um. He, no, I had what three versions of um, uh, coffee in mm-hmm. Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. He kept he kept changing it, and then he mm-hmm. used to tease me that um, he wanted to do Salome, but he had to find out what the law was to see how much I could take. I had to I could take off. <laughs> <laughs> he always, you know, I was like. You know, I was like this overgrown baby. (laughs) And I just think he got a kick out of it. I really Mm -hmm. do. You know, there was a a time that I left the company. I was gone for three months. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I was not getting the same... Pleasure. It was it was a difficult time in the company mm-hmm. with when he was infatuated with Suzanne and mm-hmm. people roles were taken away from you for no reason at all, mm-hmm. and um, it, it it was it was very very difficult. And I remember I, some guy was a fan of mine, and he had an insurance agency. He was the president of, so he was going to make a public relations having me learn it. He was going to send me to college and I wasn't interested at all, but I tried Uh and I called up Ducky, who was my friend. And I said, can you get me tickets to the ballet? I really want to come. I want to come back. Mm -hmm. And Ducky went to um, Betty Cage, who was the manager of the theater uh, of the company. And um, he said to her that, you know, I really wanted to come back. He called, she, she, she called, um, she called Balanchine, who was in Hot Springs, Arkansas with Tammy. Right. Mm-hmm. To tell, to tell him that I wanted to come back to the company. Mm-hmm. And his response was, give her a big kiss and don't take her out to dinner. but that was the bane of my existence is trying to be thinner than god ever meant me to be Mm. so that was that was the worst part of it 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 was really hard for me but um you know and then he, he came up to me i hadn't danced in four months right and they were doing Harlequin Odd, and he wanted me to do The Good Fairy. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay. 
I, I forgot I hadn't been on point in four months and I'm going to get out <laughs> there in front of 2000 people and I'm going to do this. Right. And I was really out of shape, but I plowed through it and I did it. And uh, we were all in O'Neill's after and Mr. B came up to me and he went, good, good. And then I said, Mr. B, I'm going broke. When are you going to put me back on the table? I don't think I'm going to survive. And he said, oh, go talk to Betty tomorrow. Uh-huh. He was always very kind to me. Mm-hmm. He really, you know, he, he um, I don't know, he understood. I, I have no idea what other people's experiences were, but... Mm-hmm. He, he, I, I think he, he looked out for me. Yeah, I really do. I, I definitely want to talk in a minute about how, um, how you've kept uh, this sort of legacy and flame alive. But let's go back for a second uh, and just go through some of the other ballets that he made for you. We talked about you started to bring up coffee. What's interesting about that part is that it was originally for Arthur, right? He right. was a part made for a man. And then at some mm-hmm. point in the Nutcracker's life, he um, decided that it should be a solo for a woman. So did he talk to you about this? You certainly would have been aware that it was for a man. It would have been the prior season oh, yeah. you saw well, whoever. When, when he did it, he did it for the opening of the, of Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was like he had promised new things. Right. And this was the only new thing except for when the ballerina steps on that thing and she mm-hmm. flies at the end of the cottage. Right. So, um, and I don't think he expected the reaction from the audience um, when he did it because opening night, it was like people loved it. Mm-hmm. And then the next year he changed it. <laughs> yeah, he liked the original dance. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it was it was it was a lot slower mm-hmm. than the one that I used was used to doing after that. And um, he just he kept tinkering with it. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm not sure why, but that's what he did. Was that even, even after I left, he tinkered with it even more because what they do now is not what I did. Mm-hmm. There's, so with- there's a tell there. Was that uncommon? Like the other roles, like say the harp variation or Hippolyta, was that just like set in stone pretty much after you learned it? Set in stone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And not very many people did it either. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I just did it all the time. Mm-hmm. Hippolyta is fun to do. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> Hippolyta. So that was, I mean, did you catch word that Balanchine was going to do this big production? Did he talk to you about your role before? Or was it just like schedule? Gavre and Balanchine, you know, <laughs> how does that work? That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he, he never, he never talked about, he didn't talk about the story. He didn't talk about the motivation, mm-hmm. just dance, dear, right. <laughs> just dance. And, you know, Hippolyta is everything that I, first of all, I love to do because it's entrances and exits, <laughs> which I don't like having to be there a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he really, you know, his movement, big mm-hmm. jumps, turns, all that stuff was what I excelled at. So, right. yeah, yeah, it, was, it never changed mm-hmm. after that. There was one part we did it the first year, we did it at the Greek Theater, which mm-hmm. is an outdoor theater in Los Angeles. And it's the first time they did the fog 
in an open air theater. Uh, uh-huh. And oh, no. usually in the theater, it rolls over into the orchestra. Right, right, right. But it went up to the ceiling and I couldn't find the wings. It uh-huh. was, it was, you know, I was trying to find, get my way off the stage and I'm yelling at the stage manager, how much blah, 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 blah. And Mr. <laughs> B would come back and going, wonderful. It was <laughs> seeing the smoke swirl. I can imagine that fouetés in a fog situation like that was not preferable. No, with a cape and a and a bow in your and a hand. bow. <laughs> Let's see what else we can throw at. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, you need right. another obstacle. You know. Right. <laughs> I f- I find that so interesting that you said that about. So we hear often um, that Balanchine wasn't super focused on a story, but most of his ballets maybe didn't have a story that was set in stone. Mm-hmm. Midsummer, of course, is an exception. So did he expect that? And he tells the story so perfectly in that production. It's so wonderful. Do you think that he expected you guys to, A, know it or familiarize yourself with it, do your own research? Or did he really just think, I mean, maybe you don't know the answer, but maybe he just knew that his choreography would speak the story enough and that he didn't need to. I think more than that, I think it's the people that he picked to do the roles. Mm -hmm. You have to understand, he taught class Every day, mm-hmm. you know, in my career um, of 15 years, maybe Unakai did a warm up on a Sunday for a Sunday matinee. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Balanchine taught every single day, even on layoffs mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. nobody was working and you're collecting unemployment. We were in the studio with him and he was going, you know, he was teaching us everything. Right. So he knew, he knew what we were capable of. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why everything fit. It's not, I don't think he thought that he had to motivate somebody mm-hmm. to right. do uh, a story. I mean, obviously, um, I remember there's one section in um, Prodigal Son where he's robbed of mm-hmm. all of, of his stuff. And then after all the goons rob him, uh, the siren comes out and she, she rips the whatever it was around his neck. Mm-hmm. And she runs forward to the audience and, you know, it's almost mine. I did it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that a lot. He made me do it over and over again to explain what it should look like. Right. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember that. But that's the only time I remember him even – I think he liked spontaneity. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that's why he loved Suzanne so much because she she could give him that right off the bat. She wasn't she, – she wasn't careful. She, mm-hmm. you know, she would – throw herself into things and that excited that made, made the dance excited and I, I think he, he liked the possibilities mm-hmm. of what he saw yeah. and you know when when you think about it you know he started that company from nothing mm-hmm. so everything that occurred was because of him mm-hmm. and so I, I think that it, it that spontaneity um, was part of the whole thing, right. you know, it really was. 
it so, wasn't he he didn't want you to be so correct right. i mean obviously we did 16 tondus every which way mm-hmm. so that we could free ourselves to be correct without thinking about it right 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 mm-hmm. so it, it seems like it's sort of a hallmark of balanchine's character to just maybe not make a big fuss out of things and i i was wondering about um your promotion because now i think nowadays promotions they tend to come with more fanfare but i had heard several other stories where it's just kind of like oh you find out you got a pay bump or whatever you know Mm -hmm. like did did you did he tell you personally he was promoting you or do you remember what that circumstance was i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) see that's that's how monumental it was because Uh i was doing i was doing all these roles way before i became uh, a soloist mm-hmm. um and so i never even thought about it you know we were all so you know mr b used to think okay the girls should have small apartment nice clothes perfume that you know the people shouldn't be rich mm-hmm. it, it wasn't fitting for what we were doing as being artists mm-hmm. we shouldn't own he didn't want us to own houses and things like that. He, mm-hmm. he he had this idea of, you know, and we were all so young, mm-hmm. you know, we'd get in the company at, you know, 16, then he got younger and younger, mm-hmm. <laughs> even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Jacques and the, that group, they started at 15, you right. know, it was, mm-hmm. uh, he, and he was very much a father figure, very, very much. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't, I don't even remember when I became a soloist. I really that's don't. So funny. I think that, but that's <laughs> I think that's kind of beautiful that it was just so work driven. So so much about the art, you know, so much about yeah. the ballets rather than the ego of oh, I got my promotion today, and you know, right? No, no, it it, it didn't feel like that either. Mm-hmm. You know, it was because that. That wasn't him either. Mm-hmm. He was not pretentious. Right. You know, uh, he, uh, I remember sitting at the bar at O'Neill's and we were, I was talking with Mr. B and, and he said, who is it? Saul Hurok, who was the, mm-hmm. I don't know what his title was, but he, he, Mr. B said, Saul Hurok said to him, George, why don't you have bigger apartment and fancy car? Mm-hmm. And Mr. B used to say, I don't need this, mm-hmm. you know, but other people, you know, like, okay, the people who were attached to ABT were, it, it was a whole different world mindset, right? Whole, whole different. And Mr. B was, um, you know, I am, I'm the carpenter. I'm going to make something, you know, he didn't, mm-hmm. he knew how good he was, but he never mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd have to be crazy not to know but he um i don't know he was devoted devoted to what he was doing and he was i i can't imagine anybody today being able to keep up with him when you think of him teaching every day rehearsing all day being there all night in that first wing being part of i think he needed to be part of that family Mm -hmm. of the company 
Mm-hmm. And just putting putting out so much work, like yeah. incredible amounts of new and different work. Well, he, he told me once that um, he had a contract, his contract said that he had to produce two new ballets every season, whether he was inspired to or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, okay, I have to turn, you know, and then, right. you know, he did what he had to do. Yeah. <laughs> you dance such an incredible repertoire. Is there one specific role in particular that was really just your favorite and will always have a special place in your heart? Brahm Schoenberg, mm-hmm. First Movement. Yeah. That is, I, I don't know what it is about that, but I just loved doing it but I liked I liked the modern stuff Mm -hmm. a lot I love Fortis and I did both Polaric and I did um what's Sanguinic Sanguinic yeah Mm -hmm. did both of them Mm -hmm. and um I liked oh I felt safer in the modern works, you could save yourself. To, uh, don't ask me about Symphony in C, third movement. <laughs> I, I went up to Mr. V and I said, please take me out of this. I am so bad in it. And he said, oh, dear. No, dear, it's good for you. And I said, no, it's not good for you. I it. it was so tiring. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the hospital, and that when I had my daughter, mm-hmm. I got a phone call from Carol Sumner. And she said to me, tell me honestly, Gloria, was it harder than doing third movement symphony and C? <laughs> and what was your answer? Yes. <laughs> but, uh, third, third, it, but doing those tutu ballets, you feel naked out there. Your, yeah. your technique is there for the world to see. Whereas the modern dancers dances you can save yourself you know you can turn in turn out whatever it's 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 more appealing (laughs) right (laughs) thank you for joining us this week be sure to tune in next week for part two with gloria govren where we go in depth about the trajectory of her teaching career after her retirement from the stage Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.